0: Well, Scoobin takes a different approach than uh, the Rainforest Connection has um, for all these years where uh, we want to make sure there's a way in which the sound of nature can actually unveil nature to everybody, particularly consumer audience or just like homes, people's homes, their backyards, on their camping trips. You don't have to be a scientist or a conservationist necessarily to appreciate what's there. And because we're so good at, at, at listening with, the, with all the technology we built, um, we figured that we could take that data and not just make it possible to listen to it, but actually really pull out insights that matter to your life. We want to show that uh, living in a place with greater biodiversity, with more animals passing through, actually improves the life that you yourself are familiar with, Uh, not uh, not just a conservationist or off in the middle of nowhere in nature.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast, where you'll hear conversations one after another that generate aha moments for you. There is an enormous wave of goodness and progress well underway in the world that almost no one knows enough about yet. It is so well hidden by the negative noise in our media that I'm calling that wave a conspiracy of goodness. Yes, it is still an amazing world out there, And on this podcast, we'll introduce you to the people making it that way. Hello and welcome. I'm Dr. Linda Ulrich, founder of the Mothership website of this podcast called The Goodness Exchange. That is a global website where you'll see countless articles that we've written recordings videos and this podcast all about what's right with the world newsworthy things that are just not rising to the top of our feed the purpose of this podcast and the goodness exchange is to put a spring in your step every day so you can live with less fear and far more joy and we're going to get started on that right now with another amazing interview Today, we're going to speak with Topher White. Topher is a conservation technologist and the founder of an envirotech startup. Well, one called the Rainforest Connection, which we have written about on the Goodness Exchange three times, and also a new project called Squibbon, which we're going to talk about today. That is just uh, something I can't wait to connect with personally right here where I live. Topher is an an inventor. He is a field engineer and a social entrepreneur, and he's been honored with so many titles. <laughs> he's, he's been a, um, a National Geographic Explorer, a Rolex Laureate. He's the World Economic Forum Young Global Leader. I could go on. Um, his parents must be very proud. <laughs> and mainly, he has contributed to our world's understanding of the diversity that's out there. If we go and keep relying on what we can see via cameras, well, Topher was one of the great thought leaders in this field of instead of looking for biodiversity, listening for it. And he's gonna explain that in a lot more detail in a minute, but that's how I came to know Topher was um, connection with this big global project that now is in over 30 plus countries. It's an idea where we listen for for diversity in our environments and we can solve all kinds of problems, which I hope we'll talk about too. So today we're going to talk about that, but mostly we're going to talk about our own role in conservation and what we can learn about our own backyards and our neighborhoods. Squibbin, the company that we're talking about today, was founded in 2022 as kind of a technology um, version or I, I think a technology extension of the rainforest connection, uh, of something that we can use in our own lives to be connected to what happens next, to have a sense of flourishing with the natural world around us, even if that's in cities. So yeah. <laughs> that's the best I can do for now. You're going to understand Topher's work a lot better in a few minutes. I want to start by um, by throwing a, a quote out there that makes me made me think of Topher the minute I read it. It says the day before something is truly a breakthrough, it's a crazy idea, <laughs> and I suspect that Tober White has had people think his ideas were pretty
0: crazy. So welcome, Tober. Thank you so much, Linda. It's great to be here with you, um, especially after after so many years. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Yes, we have. We met a long time mm-hmm. ago, and and we have um we have been on the Rainforest Connection bioacoustic mm. journey all the way along. So, Tover, <laughs> when you when you hear that 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 statement, the day before something is truly a breakthrough, it's a crazy idea. What does that make you think when you when you consider the scope of time? 2013 when you started the Rainforest Connection to what you're doing with acoustic technology now?
0: Um, I mean, it really. I mean, there's so many different ways to say that that we're that we're used to, right? Uh, and long after something is still still a crazy idea, uh, getting to the point that it, that it actually works or is executed is uh, is sometimes a quite a long road uh, as well. So, um, it's it's not just about the idea being proved by its by its mere virtue or being proved by trying it the first time. Oftentimes, you have to get a little bit of encouragement to know that your idea isn't isn't crazy enough. And besides, all all the best ideas. All the best ideas sound like really bad ones, you know, the ones that because because the best ideas are are high competition spaces and the best ideas don't need a champion. Uh, they they generally are um, are ones that everyone can get behind. So, uh, mm. you know, it's it's pl- plenty of that. Plenty of the crazy ideas are, are perfectly bad. Um, but uh, even the good ones, the best ones still sound bad. I think. <laughs>
1: Okay, so start us off on, uh, just give us a little the high points of this journey, because th- this is what I love about yeah. Squibbon, is that yeah. it starts out somewhere back in time when, uh, when you found a, a, an amazing way to, uh, to help scientists and people using data um, collect more knowledge than we were ever able to do. But now we're, we're over here making something for the general public. So talk to us about that arc of time.
0: Sure. I mean, a lot of this came out of us listening to, uh, to these remote places rainforests, particularly for threat detection, was the, was the original idea that we've talked about um, in the past. But then, of course, there's so much happening in these environments. Um, again, you can hear chainsaws, you can hear logging trucks and your gunshots, and you can, you can mobilize people to go stop it. Um, but again, there's so much more happening around, around the forest at all times. And what's happening there are the lives and the, the expressions of animals and the way in which they interact with each other, data that or information that you can't get from anywhere else. So we started listening to that and actually expanded the, the, the whole team to, to, to work around it and, um, and adopted new tools and new approaches. And Rainforest Connection has, uh, has, has, really, taken, has really taken a direction towards um, this term bioacoustics, listening to nature, ecoacoustics, as a way of, of understanding not just individual animals, but entire ecosystems and health and, and the changing planet itself. Um, okay. And that team, uh, that team is, is doing great work. Um, well,
1: I I just I just thought of a course. Um, we interviewed your is Borhan the CEO now?
0: Yeah, yeah. Borhan is uh, Borhan is CEO. Yeah. Longtime COO became CEO, and man, things took off from there.
1: Yeah. Uh, you will find an episode with Borhan Yashim. Probably episode around 120. We're going to put it in the show notes, the exact episode. But um, that that was a great interview. And lots yeah. and lots of folks have complimented um, your work and, and the way Warhan uh, puts it. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll make sure people have a connection to that. And I should say Please. right now that anything that Topher and I mention in this interview will be in the show notes highlighted so you can enjoy anything that he and I mentioned but yeah go on, go on about your team there that's that's been an extraordinary effort now very very global yeah. right
0: yeah well I mean again we, did, we certainly did not come up with the idea of listening to nature uh, on our own that's been something that's been happening for for, for many 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 decades I do think that uh, that we've really boosted its new potential um, especially with that team and the tools and the fact that we can mobilize a whole community but within that comes this idea that uh, that of course the sound of nature like the sound of our living planet is is possibly not just the best tool for protecting it that's least utilized but maybe uh, like insights into leads us into entire new understandings of nature itself and animals that you can't get from any other source. Um, and that's what we began to, to sort of see from, from those soundscapes and the way they were being analyzed and, and who was using them. Um, but throughout this time, it really did, it really did seem to us that uh, there, was, there was a limited, there, there was an audience for this that, that we weren't able to reach with those types of, um, uh, of tools. Although there's really few places on Earth that sound more vibrant and amazing than the Rainforest, and I encourage everyone to go get the Rainforest Connection app um, off the app stores and listen to these, these, um, these amazing soundscapes. Uh, it sounds like nothing else. Um, there, was, there was a whole areas that we weren't able to get to with this technology. Uh, they were much closer to people's hearts and closer to their homes. Um, and that's so we decided that it was necessary for us to really sort of spin off a whole new team, a whole new organization uh, to, uh, to address this, uh, this need.
1: Okay, talk to us exactly about what Scriven is going to bring to our our neighborhoods and backyards.
0: Well, Scriven takes a different approach than uh, the Rainforest Connection has um, for all these years, where uh, we want to make sure there's a way in which the sound of nature can actually unveil nature to everybody, particularly consumer audience or just like homes, people's homes, their backyards on their camping trips. You don't have to be a scientist or a conservationist necessarily to appreciate what's there. And when people think of nature and sound, they usually think of like serenity. They think of being able to listen in in a, a sort of a Zen meditation approach, which is totally reasonable. But in fact, like what's happening in, in the sounds of nature are often things that we can't even hear. The subtleties of the way in which animals communicate with each other, the subtleties in which they actually assert themselves and express who they are uh, through nature. And because we're so good at, at, at listening with, the, with all the technology we built, um, we figured that we could take that data and not just make it possible to listen to it but actually really pull out insights that matter to your life and, re- and, and repackage them in ways that, that, that actually matter in in your everyday life. Because we want to show that uh, living in a place with greater biodiversity, with more animals passing through, actually improves the life that you yourself um, are familiar with. Uh, not, just, uh, not just a conservationist or off in the middle of nowhere in nature. Nice. Um, and that's, that's actually quite a challenge to, 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 to be honest, because uh, we are taking a very solid scientific foundation um, And again, I want to back up for a second and and say that most when we think the way in which humans usually relate to the world, to each other, to nature, uh, is visually, right? And that's beautiful. We have great eyes and we can see so many great things. Um, But that's just a very limited uh, approach to what's there. Of course, you can only see what's right in front of you. The same is true for a camera. Um, And the truth is that you can only see things that are big enough to see. Um, In nature, sound is a whole other way for both tiny creatures and faraway creatures and hidden creatures and buried creatures to actually assert themselves and become part of, of, uh, of the fabric. It's almost like the, the bright colors of a bird, except, except you know, a little frog like this can, can be the brightest sound in the ecosystem. And so they almost compete for this the same way that we compete for attention. Um, and so you know, there's so many things we can learn about nature in terms of how, they, how animals feel, how they interact with each other, uh, who's the predator, who's the prey, uh, the movement of animals through, and we're not limited to a scope that's like right in front of a camera. So um, you get this, this entire view of what's happening all around. And so sound is just such a powerful tool for this, even if us as listeners um, are limited. But when you take some really great technology and you put it in there and you can uh, translate what's happening in the world, not just for us to be able to hear everything, but for us to be able to understand it, then, um, then some really great things come out of it. And, you know, the, the real power comes when we, when we start to, to attack applications and, and use cases on top of that.
1: There is this amazing wonder to be had in nature. It's not someplace, nature isn't someplace we have to go to. We don't have to get in a big vacation or buy all the gear and gear up to go somewhere. It, it's, it's good enough right where we are.
0: I, I agree. I think that, that it's, it's, it's great for us to get out and see the different kind of nature that is in, in, you know, close enough for us to get to. Um, but the best case scenario, I think we can agree, is one where nature overlaps with us uh, quite a bit. And what we ought to be trying to find a way to encourage is this interspecies infrastructure that doesn't allow for like exclusionary corridors for wildlife to pass through, but allows wildlife to become a part either the residents who who stay in your backyard or stay around where you are or your balcony or your roof, um, but uh, but the ones who can pass through quite uh, quite unobstructed. And the truth is that there's there's lots of animals around here. They're really really good at, at hiding themselves. Um, you get these amazing footage of like mountain lions walking through through neighborhoods at nighttime. My bet is that they're there four or five times more than they're captured on cameras. The animals are here. They're very good at not being noticed, um, but they notice us all the time and they can tell they tell us things about ourselves and each other that, that is really pretty exciting, even just to know about whether, whether you're a scientist or not.
1: You know, conservation seems like a big word. It seems like something yeah. that's happening out there in the world. Mm-hmm. But it, it is knowing what's in your backyard and knowing how good your neighborhood is doing. Talk to us about this localness of this effort.
0: Well, even even in all the, the, the past ten years of work um in, in remote places like the rainforest, from indigenous tribes to local NGOs, communities, um, sometimes governments and just local people, you realize that uh that there's really like conservation the best conservation the only real conservation is local conservation and that includes like the really faraway places it doesn't matter if uh, if there's top down like a government wants to protect a place or if a person or if uh, a person wants to protect something outside of the planet if there's not someone there on the ground who's committed generation after generation for their own purposes not just to you know check a box to, pre- to preserving that place that's the only thing that's going to allow us to to keep it from being overrun and um and that can be true right here as well. I mean, the United States is, is one great example, um, was massively, massively deforested for hundreds of years. In fact, we are one of the few countries on earth with like a net gain in, in forest cover, just based on the fact that we lost so much. Um, and, uh, and so this is a place that with, a, with rebounding biodiversity, we would hope. We have to do our best to make sure that, our, that the things we do don't, don't change that. But that's not something just to be done at the state level or governmental level or even the corporate level. There's so much that you can do um, in your backyard. And not just because you want to be a conservationist, because we can make a case for why that makes your life more interesting and better. And we want to prove that with the the, the whole product.
1: We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to learn all about the squibbin and how it's going to make our life uh, richer to know a lot more about our surroundings. Hey, Dr. Linda here. Did you know that a recent Harvard study found that exposure to just four minutes of good news each day will make you 32% less anxious and 18% more optimistic. Just four minutes. We've all got that much time to devote to our worldview and our sense of flourishing. Yes, if you make a habit of learning about just one piece of remarkably good news each day, you can be the one in your circles with fresh insights, ideas, and a sense of strength. Okay, so that takes care of the problem in our personal lives. But what about our work environments? We need to feel like we come alive there, that we, that we have meaning and purpose there. Well, enter the goodness exchange for business. For companies that want to create optimistic and values driven work cultures, our content can give you a way to turn aspirational ideas like positivity into a concrete way of being in the workplace in fact employee retention and attraction may depend on your company's ability to nurture a tone of innovation interesting collaborations and possibility and most importantly the goodness exchange can meaningfully elevate your company's wellness efforts and benefits packages because your work culture can be offering employees something new, peace of mind, and that sense of flourishing I mentioned before, where employees' well-being isn't just a perk. It's the way we care about the individuals in our workplaces. So if you'd like to chat about infusing your culture with a tone of celebration about goodness and progress, we'd love to chat. Contact our CEO, Liesl, her email address is info at goodness Thanks. Okay, we're back with inventor engineer Topher White. He's using technology and the data that that we get from what we can hear in our environment to solve problems like illegal logging, loss of biodiversity. And now his project Squibbin is aimed at our making our shared future more hopeful right where we are, right in our own mm. neighborhoods from a conservation standpoint. So mm. Topher, let's start there with this. Talk well, to us about Squibbin. How does it? What's who's it for first, and
0: then so what Squibin, does it do? Thanks. I mean, so Squibbin is for everybody. It's for the people with homes, with 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 balconies, with anything that allows you to interface remotely with nature. And you'd be really surprised how almost that that's almost everybody on Earth um, to a certain degree. So it all starts with us the understanding that we need everybody, including consumers, to be a part of the conservation efforts. And so, and they can up the ante on so much more. So it begins with this device here uh, called the Delta, which we're launching on Kickstarter um, just this month. Please join us. This is a sort of next-generation listening device and sort of outdoor computer. It's a smart home for the outdoors for your backyard. It's got you know all sorts of all sorts of features that we can't get into right now. But some of the most important involve these microphones in all directions, which can hear things up to five times higher than people can. An extraordinary sensitivity. It listens for all the animals and analyzes this it's uh you will when you set it up on the ground you take your phone and you take a quick little panorama of your backyard so that yeah so the the device actually knows where it is and what's around it because it recognizes the trees the bench the door person install it right there then it, it'll, it'll be able to tell you when animals show up whether it's on the oak tree whether it's uh at the bench whether it's near like the entry gate whether it's on the wall um of the house it'll actually be able to tell you about that um with the idea being that uh that you can get both real-time alerts for what's there. You can take uh, these, these highlights of what's happening in your backyard Would say that the, the, the blackbird lands on, lands on the tree, um, clearly has some kind of interaction with the skunk um, on the ground. These are things that we're able to pick out and, and make clear to you. But we're trying to make a case for why that, that on its own, if you don't happen to be a citizen scientist or a bird watcher, might not be the most, might not be enough. Um, so beyond that, uh, we are taking a dive into almost the, 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 the surreal, the imaginative to understand that the best way to interface with that data, with those data, with the, with the bioacoustic scientific foundation that we've laid, um, is to tell stories. So when, when an animal comes into your backyard, you have the opportunity to name it. Um, you have the opportunity to name any new individual animal that comes to your backyard as, as the device picks it up. And then that becomes characters and stories that you're able to then tell and retell and re-render um, based upon your experiences. And the a- there's an AI built into this entire scubbing system that makes that possible. So again, imagine that your, entire, that your entire backyard, from the point of this device, and we'll send some, some, some screenshots to everyone to see, um, is, is almost like a canvas. A canvas that's been re-rendered in the style of your, favorite, of your favorite poker story. As the animals come through, they will be superimposed onto that with the sounds, and we will actually uh, begin to retell the, um, the, the relationships between the animals as they, as they come through, and it changes every day. But this is all based upon real data. So when you are reading to your kid at night or, or your child at night, you can say um, you can actually are, are retelling stories or the AI is retelling stories with imagery based upon the real interactions of animals in your backyard. And you can inject morals, you can inject uh, lessons, you can inject all these things into that and it gets re-rendered based upon uh, all of that. Um, and then, of course, because we have great technological <laughs> resources at our disposal, that's just for the children. Then you walk into the next room with your partner or your friend and you're able to see the exact same data retold in a mystery, noir, romance, uh, comic book style because your entire backyard becomes becomes recreated within that style. Um, These are things that are available to us that are currently being used for filmmaking, for storytelling and all the rest. We want to actually build a whole imaginative AI world which is seated upon nature. So nature is both the inspiration and the guiding factor for artificial intelligence, um, as it as it creates a new way for us to relate to the animals that are there. So when you look out your window and you see the skunk, you're like, "Oh, that's Wally. He's always getting into trouble with Gretel, uh, who's over on the tree." Um, and and these are these are entirely legitimate ways we think to uh, to appreciate nature, but um, frankly, a little bit out there, you know. But very <laughs> much of our time, very much of our time, I would say. I totally think so.
1: Now, don't you have the scientists going, what?
0: <laughs> well, it's important to point out that this is all based upon legitimate scientific uh, yes. data. Like th- this is this is what allows us to do this, because in order for us to say that these that this artificial intelligence is these neural networks are based upon, uh, you know, real animals comes from scientific basis. But 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 yeah, I'd, I'd say that this is the, but that's that's part of the, the point. The point yes. is for us to get creative. What's with what's there, because it's storytelling and character building and imagination that is probably has a longer historical and prehistorical basis for our relationship to nature than, than solid scientific facts. Um, and you can tell this anytime you 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 get with indigenous communities or you look at storytelling and mythology, the way in which we relate to nature is not always us versus them or us uh, apart from them. Usually there are very rich relationships that are that are that are steeped in things that, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to find a scientific basis for. But which have lasted for hundreds, if not thousands of years and um and and might lead to the most harmonious relationship
1: yeah, you know, and it storytelling is how we really remember things deeply yeah.
0: remember things uh-huh. hmm. yeah okay but but here's what's wonderful about this is that we it's normal for us I think to be a little to be a little wary about what's happening with artificial intelligence right now and but what but people sometimes can't necessarily um well, what I, what I find in a couple of conversations is the way in which AI is very personalized. There's an opportunity for this to be, to be yours. And what this comes is an extension of your senses. We want to make sure that what this is doing is finding the right way that you are going to find the best connection to the animals or the people or the rest that are around you. And this will accentuate that to actually build that sense of ownership, build that sense of belonging, and build that, build, frankly, an understanding of the behavior. Because if... If there's a, if there's a pattern to the way in which animals go through your backyard and react with each other and your family, that doesn't need to be that doesn't need to be laid out in a data sheet or a, or or a sense of trends or a graph. It can be it can be re retold to you uh, through stories that allow you to remember it. Like you said,
1: and you know I think there's something about appreciating uh, what's what's happening right here something Mm. surprising something remarkable Mm. and being able to share it at work the other the 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 next day or at school or what have you like Mm -hmm. we had no idea we had bobcats in vermont and saw one recently crossing the road um we didn't really think there were bears where we live in vermont and one completely took down our um, bird feeding apparatus which was a giant welded operation that i put together and Mm -hmm. you know so we're getting these little glimpses we're getting the we're getting the damage control we have beehives on our on our farm and Mm -hmm. the beehives get disrupted we say it's a bear we're not there and Mm -hmm. it seems like if it wasn't only the disruptions if something if the dog gets sprayed with a skunk right these this is how we know the wildlife is out there Mm -hmm. but those are all sort of on the negative or or losses side (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I suppose this gives us an opportunity to see nature without being a part of, of their story. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like just mm-hmm. as they are.
0: You're right. And storytelling brings so much of a personal connection to them. I mean, how many, how many amazing videos are there on the internet of dogs making terrible messes? If you discover the mess and you don't, you don't get to see how it happened. It's a lot less of interesting and it's a lot less endearing. Um, I, I do think that that's, that could be true. I mean, and we have to understand that that animals are going to be themselves. We we're not going to change their behavior. They are going to take down your 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 your, uh, your birds, birds um, yeah. bird feeder. I'm sorry about that. Um, but that's a bear being a bear. And you know what? That yes. can be that can be interesting and 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 charming and just part of appreciating bears. Um, yes. And you know what? It might be such a bummer because you missed it. Watch, watching or seeing seeing it be partially be told could could almost validate the the, the outcome. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that there's there's a way in which I, I don't I don't see much of an issue in allowing people to relate to nature in, in ways that uh, that are more personal than them. there is no wrong way to appreciate mm-hmm. animals and nature itself. Mm-hmm. Anthropomorphism may not help us understand scientific insights, but it can definitely help us understand um, why why we wish they were around, you know. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yes. And yes, that's, yes. What, that's what we want to lean into. I didn't mean to give those examples from a negative angle. Um, it's just that,
0: that was fine. <laughs>
1: I live in a in a very rural area where. You know, that's how wildlife is often spoken about, is about the mm-hmm. damage <laughs> control mm-hmm. afterwards. But but often, once in a while, someone, as you pointed out, will get to be privy to something in the natural world that's that's beautiful. And yeah, you might have a cleanup afterwards. But it, it feels more fun. It feels more, there's a lot more wonder in it if you actually get to come upon it yourself. And that's what I understand this, this device allows us to do. We put it on our... On our um, transom in the city, or it can be a city or a country piece of equipment, right?
0: Yeah, it can even be a hiking, a hiking equipment. Again, it's got batteries; it can it can last for a while. It's got solar panels that snap on, which you can show. Um, I mean, again, it's the it's can think of it more less of a listing device, more like a backyard computer. It's a hub for any number of things, including eventually cameras. Um, the, the whole point is that this this is this is a way in which understanding nature in any sort of given environment, on or off the grid. Um, and you know, using the AI that, that's been developed over over many years to be able to do that, and uh, and we're excited because there's this is just the start. This hole right in the middle isn't just decorative; it's it's where you will end up adding all sorts of accessories, including mm-hmm. cameras and other sorts of uh, other sorts of devices. And of course, on the back, um, lots of technical plugins and stuff. But yeah, that's 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 the idea. We take a okay. week, and and over time, we will get better and better at understanding nature um, and making it clear to you. Whether you, wanna, they, whether you want alerts for birds or whether you want stories about them.
1: Now, there's a bigger picture t- here, too. Is there some data collection going on that will be helpful in the, in the scope of time?
0: Yeah. Again, uh, the, the, first, the first interface that, uh, that you get here is all about being able to listen and experience nature that's there. Um, get highlights of... Because, again, if, if you listen just to what's happening around you, the moment from moment to moment is not always that exciting. But we can take 24 hours of amazing um, wildlife insights... And compress that into, you know, two minutes of of actual pretty legitimate drama. And that's your kind of report that you can listen to today in spatial audio. Um, Then, of course, you can visualize that right on the screen and all the ways that's happening, not just where the animals are, but the the explosions of sound and what they actually mean. Um, There's the storytelling layer. And then for citizen scientists or scientists themselves, all of this connects back into the amazing platform uh, Arbimon, which I know Borhan spent some time talking to you about that uh, that is just the 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 foremost uh eco-acoustic platform on the planet uh so if you actually did want to dive into legitimate scientific work it's all right there um and so we want to take uh what is a global project like that and make it um and concentrate all of those insights locally so that you can learn the most about what's happening right around you and we're going to throw all these different things out there because we know there's going to be an audience for each one of them you know and we'll try some more stuff too
1: it's Super. Okay. So one thing that you pointed out to me, which I hadn't really thought about, is that nature is different once we're there. Mm. Yeah. Like, you know, we're we're oh, gonna yeah. get an opportunity here to understand what's happening without our impact on the outcome. Every time we take a step in the woods, the animal saw us coming, you know, <laughs> a mile ahead mm-hmm. and they're gone, or they're certainly not acting natural. So I, I love this um, two minutes of wonder that we could be thinking about the rest of our day. Talk to us about what you know about how this primes the pump of our imagination, or or any of the the thought that
0: is gone into this. Well, I think that the so once once we walk outside, uh, it changes. Things change. Some animals might not care. Other ones care quite a bit. Um, and so, uh, if you want to know the most of what's happening, the best is to. Put a wall between you and, and, and what's outside now it feels like you can't experience that but we're there to, to show and to prove with this product that you can relate to it even in even more exciting potential ways uh, than if you were outside we're not trying to keep you from going outside but if you go outside just know that it's going to be a little bit different and we don't want that to be the only way for you to experience what's there um this the, just between me and this wall we're talking like 10 10 feet at the most uh, device out there i can tell you that when i'm out there i don't see that many birds right in the middle of san francisco but uh, over the course of a day, uh, sometime anywhere from 10 to, to 15 different species of birds can, can, can pass through uh, this area. And with the device, we know exactly where they are. Uh, very hard to capture them right camera, right? Because like, they're little birds and, and you know, and they're right there. But this thing uh, knows what's there. So the idea is to our, our relationship and experience of nature should not be limited to what's right, what, what we have to walk outside to see. And, um, and you know, we want to make a case for why you don't have to. You know, uh and, and it can be even better um and more experiential if you don't go outside.
1: So um, um you were telling me a little story about the skunks, uh, that
0: you oh, yeah. knew. How <laughs>
1: well, yeah. talked talk well, I mean, about this? Just
0: I think it was like a. you know, there's a sense there's so many animals around us. I I, I don't expect many people to share this with me, but I am ver- I do I do think rats are pretty amazing animals. I've had many pet rats <laughs> over the years and they're one of those animals that reliably shows up. Everywhere you go, every city on earth, every, every boat, every anything um, has them around. And so within there, like within them, there's so much personality, but they're very good at like not being noticed most of the time, except for they're so brazen, which again, I think can be kind of charming too. But let's look at a skunk, something that we normally would try and keep our distance from. Um, They're all over the place. Again, right in the heart of San Francisco, uh, you'll see skunks and raccoons all over the place. Um, there was a, I was watching a skunk the other day, kind of like how, by the way, if they, when they bounce down the road, it is just so cute bouncing down the road. And, and every single time someone would walk out the door, it happened a couple of times. The skunk would just like duck behind and walk outside, get their mail, walk back inside. These people came, came within a couple feet of running into the, uh, running into the animal a couple of times. And they never knew you have to imagine that happens almost every time we walk outside. Um, and you know, this, this device will help us make sure that we don't miss those things. <sighs>
1: And then, um, you know, I want to say you mentioned rats. Just so, um, just so yeah. people know, there is an episode that will have broadcast by the time this episode comes out. It's episode number one thirty one with uh, Dr. Cindy Fast on this mm. podcast. Um, she's the director of training for an organization in Africa that's training um, giant pouched African rats to uh, clear the whole country of Mozambique of landmines, which of course is a giant leap for humanity. Also search and rescue in rubble and um, the detection of tur- tuberculosis before it spreads in communities. So <laughs> there's a lot going on here in animal mm. sciences and the, and the superpowers of animals that we can discover through this, right?
0: Absolutely. Uh, and but yeah, I can, I can go on about rats for a while, but just, you know, there's there's few animals that know us better And there's few ones that kind of reflect uh, reflect back on us in in, in so many ways. But um, when it comes to when it comes to ecoacoustics or even listening or even citizen science, there's so much that's focused on birds. And that's great because birds are very much under threat. They need to be protected. They need to be understood and appreciated. Um, But there's so many there's so many other animals that that I think are just as exciting. Uh, Frogs, amphibians, um, uh, you know, the mammals that are there, the insects that are there. What's great is that they are vocalizing, sometimes, especially for amphibians, sound is like the way in which they assert themselves, right? So yeah. the noises they make are otherworldly other and within there, there's so much intent. Um, that's what we wanna make available to, to people because you know, we can tell you which birds come through. We also wanna tell you all the other animals um, throughout it. And that's based upon just, that's based upon the insights that are, that are showing up on these amazing, the amazing platform that I mentioned earlier um, and all the work being done by the scientists all of that insights goes into um, goes into uh, the detection on, on this device and the platform. Mm.
1: You know, um, I was thinking the other day after we spoke that a lot of this kind of, the wonder that I see in your project comes from mm. sort of a step-by-step um, orientation to what to the things that are not obvious to us. I can't remember who turned me on to it, but you and I have spoken about the, um, the app called Merlin put out by really? the Cornell department of Ornithology. Yeah. Yeah. So I, just this morning I left it on my, I was listening, I was sitting, uh, look at, listening to the birds wake up in the morning, five forty-five, And I left the, my, my, uh, recording on and went and got a cup of coffee. By the time I came back, there were 31 birds what? that it recorded in about seven minutes. 31 different birds. And many of them had the little red symbol, which means rare and or a little half red symbol that means uncommon. Mm -hmm. And uh, how would I have ever known that or known to appreciate? I Mm -hmm. I suddenly looked around my yard and all the mowing seemed (laughs) or the weeding or the, Mm
0: -hmm. uh, the
1: culture that how much gardening we do and the bees and everything all seemed like work and kind of like a a job well done, didn't seem like work anymore. Because I can appreciate that those 31 species are here in some small bit, because uh, my husband and I have protected this, the the end of this dead end road we live on, um, from housing developments and everything else. Um, But this is for the housing developments. (laughs) This is for everyone. I mean, nature has a way of finding its role in 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 our surroundings right
0: yeah well even even the name like delta for the for the device is is intended to is 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 there to point out the fact that we are going to be measuring animals biodiversity over time we're going to be rendering that to you in all sorts of ways but as you're to measure biodiversity what we would like to see is a positive change and the only way to allow for that is for you to be able to in your own experience track the changes in in animal presence which we can suggest to you based upon the changes that are made to your own environment so um, it's not it's not a static checklist where you where you said, OK, we, we know these birds are here. Um, what we want to do is be able to get so detailed with this because we're listening all day long. And just to just to birds, by the way, uh, or just to animals, by the way, not, not, not just birds, um, the you know, that, that you can make these changes based upon your own judgments and feedback uh, and suggestions can come from the community. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, we're not trying to say we're, we're not trying to pass judgments on, on the way in which people ought to develop their, their homes, we're there just to offer feedback on what has or hasn't worked. And that could be for gardening, it could be for landscaping, it could be for home renovation, um, or it could be for simple things like leaving a fence up and down or putting, putting the right kind of bird feeders in place. Um, there's so many ways people can do it. I did want to mention, because uh, it kind of sort of came up a uh, privacy, so uh, again, uh, for so long we've been focusing on, on listening to the really remote places around the world. Um, and and there's not many people there, and so privacy isn't much of a of an issue unless you happen to be a logger, in which case we were hoping to to, to catch you. Um, the now that we're like very close to people's homes, privacy matters a great deal. That's seriously baked into into this device. So it's it's only listening for animals. Uh, we are actively making sure that we don't capture any human voices. The moment human voices is, is caught, it doesn't even get analyzed; it just gets just gets thrown away. Um, and then uh, we'll also be working to uh, drown out the sounds of, of, um, of cars or dogs barking or things like that, that the people may not want in their soundscapes um, so that we can, you know, really make sure that uh, that, you know, you, you get the best experience out of what's what's in your, in your space.
1: Oh, lovely. I hadn't even thought of those. <laughs> so, yeah, well, Privacy
0: matters a good deal. <laughs> yes,
1: of course. So how does this interspecies infrastructure concept work in here? I um, I'm not
0: familiar with this. Uh, well, I didn't come up with this term, but I will. I will say that it's one that I, I really, very much believe in. Uh, there's there's uh, different ways to to approach conservation. One of them is to leave um, pristine wild places alone. That's certainly very important. Um, another way is the sort of uh, overlapping that you see in in the sort of uh, conservation that takes place in people actually existing on those landscapes. And then the other is finding the right way to um, both not just limit, but uh, but frankly, like redesign our, our own our own landscapes, like suburban landscapes, rural, uh, rural habitation landscapes, even cities. Um, There's a lot of biodiversity that can exist and pass through these cities. I think a lot of us see them all the time. Uh, and we want to be able to create data and tooltips to allow people to, uh, to be a part of that. Um, and I think that people will be, look, I mean, the, people have dogs, cats, not sure whether uh, people are the, the type that would put cats outside but but if in any case, if you have if you have pets, it is useful to know when certain predators are around. That does not mean that you should be keeping the, other pre- the predators out or poisoning them the rest because they're an important part of the ecosystem. But um, for example, Borhan, uh, he was he was talking about the, the, the prevalence of, of coyotes in his neighborhood in, in Texas. Um, and uh, and how important it is that his amazing, wonderful dog um, isn't out at the same time as the coyotes. It turns out that that. Animals are creatures of habit. And so if you're able to, to understand when they're gonna be there, or when they aren't on a regular basis, you can feel a lot more confidence in allowing them there and not feel like that's a constant threat to the things that you feel a great need to protect. And so that's the infrastructure that we're talking about. The more we understand each other, the more we can sort of peacefully and harmoniously coexist. And so that is, that is uh, I think, knowledge, insight, and frankly, um, the room for, room for adaptation is a very important part of this infrastructure that we talked about.
1: You know, I think that brings me to something you said the other day that I've thought about a few times since you said it. You said there's no evidence that the best harmonious relationship with nature
0: is literal. Yeah. Um, what do you
1: mean by that?
0: I believe that. I think that uh, I'm not even sure that the best harmonious relationship between each other is is is, is literal. Um, the way in which we hold we we hold each other is often idealized or 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 frankly uh, learned, I guess. But when it, comes to, when it comes to nature, look at, look at indigenous um, tribes, for example. Um, this came from one of my great friends and, and mentors, uh, Liliana Horgoy in, in Netherlands. Um, she, she was explaining to me when she was first hearing this idea. And again, I was thinking about her children's stories. And she says, no, 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 this is actually pretty normal for, um, for everyone, everything from adults, indigenous communities, to relate to nature in this way. Uh, even the jaguar, which has this almost mythical godlike um, presence in these areas, uh, the stories that people have that relate them to the jaguar and to and all of nature is not, is not based upon checklists of the behaviors of it. It's based upon stories that, 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 that can date back generations and all the rest. There is, there's no sense that our, that our sense of greatest harmoniousness is, is based upon direct observation that can be rigorously held up. It's based upon an understanding and uh, an imagination that we hold far more dear and we have personalized uh, in our own way.
1: don't you think the stories um the storytelling in this idea tofer also makes me think that it's a way to make nature relevant to people who aren't aren't seeking it yet as a source of whatever comfort wonder expansive ways of thinking about your role in the big picture like can we make we we don't we can't make nature lovers out of people but we can Hmm. certainly use this to introduce people to the world around them
0: i think part of yeah, part of the reason for for this whole new 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 project, Squibbin, is 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 around that. It's like we, if 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 we're gonna get more people on board with nature, it can't be through the same through the same sense of values, um, because we have to assume that everybody out there is is good and they're trying to do their best. Um, they just have different values and different ways of of living their life, and and that's we have to make a case through creativity and through a product that. Nature makes that life easier and better, and I think that we can and that we will. Um, it's, it's. I don't think it's obscene to, to, to claim that um, somebody who, ha- who hasn't spent their life valuing nature or has isn't convinced that it's there um, should we should make a case for them to that nature is useful in their everyday lives. That's not something that arrives naturally because nature isn't made for us. It's it's frankly not like we we exist within it, especially in our in our modern. Our area it's not made to make what we do any easier, um, but that doesn't mean that there aren't tidbits that we can magnify within it that can uh, that can largely um, uh, improve someone's personal mission and experience. Um, but it's risky, right? Because these are all new ideas. Some are going to work; some other ones aren't. And we want the new ideas that are here. Just know that it'll always be based upon real, rigorous data, and um, and using you, using the community to help us push the push the envelope forward. Because if if we can make if we can take conservation technology as we are and put it into a consumer space, we will up the ante on the quality of of all the work we do across the whole the whole gamut um you know uh, you know mul- multiple times because there is just no more of a more of a of, there's no more of a, of a of a meat grinder than than uh, the consumer market like people will make us build this stuff well and make us execute well, and when we do um Uh, We hope that that helps out conservation as a whole.
1: And you are capturing a moment on this earth Mm. for future genius, for yeah. you know for as genius as we think the rainforest connection idea was and i hope people will look that up we'll link um to the articles that we have about the rainforest connection which is a whole another level of genius but there's gonna be future geniuses and you're collecting and and keeping a record of this moment on the earth for all
0: that that that's possible right i do think that's really really important um i think that uh we have a history in humanity it's Problems, genius usually arises uh, when it's required or when it's needed, or at least it's only it's most appreciated when it's required and needed. Um, and it's usually just at the last possible moment. Um, it's why conflict and, and pressure often leads to things. But frankly, so does capability. So there's how many, how many geniuses are there on this earth who don't have the, the means, the ability to, um, to, uh, to, to, to build or to create what, what we need them to um, just based upon being stuck in, in poverty or in the wrong place at the wrong time? Also like the wrong time can be a part of that. So if we understand climate change, not as a cliff, but as a slope that we're sliding down and, and this changing, this changing over, over decades and centuries, it's very important to, to that, that the geniuses of, of decades or even hundreds of years from now will have access to these insights of biodiversity. Because again, I also think there's genius in every species that exists on earth, I would hope. Um, maybe not cognitive, maybe not extraordinary cognitive skills, but in their, in their like generation upon generation of, of adaptation and the way they relate to the rest of the world, how much, how much genius is baked into that evolutionary process that we can only pick out through behaviors that are extracted through ecoacoustics, that, that's something that I, I would hope we should make available in high definition in, in en mass to, to the questions that scientists and, and in, you know, curious people will have in the future. And this is the moment for us to capture it because there will never be another moment in the history of humanity, in the future history of humanity, where we have much, as much biodiversity as right now. And there's never been a moment in the past history of our species where we've had this much pressure on biodiversity. And I believe it's under pressure that these, that the, the, these, these sort of extraordinary behaviors within, within species, between species express themselves. And so this is the moment that must be captured, um, you know, for pe- other future people to study and potentially to find solutions that uh, we won't have the imagination for right now, nor the tools. Uh, but in the future, we got to make sure they have the data. You know.
1: So, what does a future look like where this succeeds beyond your wildest
0: dreams? Like, what could that future look like? Um, I think we 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 want we want people to be to view nature the same way that they view almost the, the 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 electricity and utilities of of their house. We want this to be intertwined in a way where, um, we, if you want to know what's happening outside you just got to listen to you just got to read read the 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 transcript of what the crows were talking about these are these are things that um yeah what 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 happened last night when did when did uh, where did i drop my keys when did the neighbor get home chances are we we want there to be uh, a case for this real sort of integration between species and um between biodiversity and, and and humanity in any particular level that that allows these things to be pulled out so um when we sort of reach that and that that use case is is um those use cases are, are, are solid, then I think this really can, uh, can grow. Um, and of course, within that, we're not, we're, that's not the only way you can relate to nature, right? Um, any more than the only way you appreciate your coworkers is for their particular role in your company. You know, the, the extent to which you appreciate them as people and, and what they add to an overall sort of goal, that's, that's what we want to make nature. We want nature to be, um, to be our collaborators in, uh, in improving our lives, um, whether it intends to be that way or not. But we have the tools... To turn it into that for ours without changing nature itself
1: what happened what has to
0: happen next to get there like oh. for
1: this to reach its fullest potential what what do you think has to happen next
0: well I mean for us we need we need we need people to to come take get get, get the product get the delta become a part of this this early group um, and and really give us feedback we're, we're things are accelerating so fast on the technological front um, and on the data front that we need people here to make sure that we are we are building right things uh, for you and for and for the future. So please come join us. I mean, it's really exciting. It's a it's a very, very uh, affordable affordable product, and you'll be part of a of a really select group at the beginning. So, um, so
1: tell people tell us more about the Kickstarter. I'm going to be your first uh, your first buyer, tester, yeah, supporter, rating we'll fan. It. Yeah, uh, um, we'll find out what's happening right here in this yard. Nice. So well, I mean, this me is, this go, is the how device. This
0: is the device comes in all sorts of uh, all sorts of beautiful, beautiful, beautiful colors more than just these. Okay. two. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, um, it's made of aluminum. We're trying our best to minimize the amount of plastic that goes into this and in it's less than 1% plastic by weight. Um, it's an amazing device with all sorts of connectivity that we won't get into right now, but yes, it's uh, it's 299 on Kickstarter. Um, and that comes with all sorts of extra accessories that you might want. Um, you can take it anywhere. The apps are free. Uh, please join us. Uh, come to squibbin.com. And, uh, and, and check out our Kickstarter campaign, which will run um, through June. Uh, so we will uh, we'll hopefully be part of it. And then we will communicate with you all through the way. And you'll get the, the first ones, will get their devices um, by July uh, to be able to, uh, to make the most of the summer, th- summer months. But, but don't wait, but don't no. wait. Get out there no. and get it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, we but it's really,
0: it's really just a start. Imagine if, if all the insights that you have around, around your health, your body, and your own house became accessible through the backyard, but, it, but not focused upon people's presence there, focused upon the animals and what they had to do. Every single animal that's there is another set of eyes and ears. And oftentimes they're talking about it. And we can, we can feed that right back into, into your experience of what's there. And hopefully one day i uh, be able to understand it that much better.
1: Oh, my gosh. Okay. So big, big, big picture. Topher, from your wonderful um, career in conservation and, and- as a change maker if this interview had only been 2 or 3 minutes long what do you really wish people knew sometimes you you might watch the news or overhear a crazy conversation in a restaurant at the next table is, is there ever something that you say to yourself ah oh, if if people only knew what
0: i think it comes down to understanding that that there's no there's no wrong way to interpret, to interpret uh, the world. As long as you're willing to to accept different kinds of inputs, and you're aiming for. You're aiming for a positive outcome for more than just yourself, and and I'm thinking primarily about uh, uh, about nature. Um. Let's don't don't let someone tell you the right way to be, to be the thing that that you've that you decided to be. Um, d- don't let someone tell you that uh, that there's a wrong way to look at it um, and you know make sure you're spending time around people who uh, who are who are not who are not trying to discourage you from 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 trying the things that you think are, are, are great um, and then make sure that you still share the great things you build with the ones who thought it was a bad idea in the first place because they'll be very happy to see it too I think that's I think that I, think that, uh, I I, I don't necessarily excel in in um, in, in, uh, in 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 like communicating a vision to 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 other people uh, sometimes, and it's usually not even all that visionary. It's usually pretty mundane, um, but it's but it's really wonderful to to know that uh, that occasionally people like what's there, and anything that we do that you just keep for yourself is uh, is is ultimately no not that much fun. Uh, validation and sharing. Validation. We we consider validation to be the negative way of looking at it. Sharing is uh, is the better way of, of of sort of expressing it. I would say.
1: Yeah, and I have to say that's um, that's what that's what has drawn me to your work from the very beginning. You're such a, a humble humble innovator, creative person. Um, you're, you've always just had that putting your ideas out there, and you've always had the the ethos that people can improve your way of thinking. That's one of the reasons why I'm in such a support of this new Squibbin project is because I see it has a way to connect us all,
0: all of us. But, but it, it's not up to me to decide what that connection is. I can try yep. something, but please yep. take it and then we'll run with it, and then tell us what we do to do better. Right? Yes. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. We don't want to foist any uh, any, any vision of the of nature on the world. Uh, Absolutely. We just want to get it. We just want to get a head start.
1: Oh, Topher, it's been a great conversation. Thank you so much thanks, for sharing Linda. your time and ideas with us again.
0: Yeah, and thanks for blessing this, this idea out. I appreciate it.
1: Well, um, the Goodness Exchange is there for more conversations like this all the amazing ideas of folks who are sharing, changing our shared future. I hope all the connections to goodness and progress that we've talked about here um, will carry you through your week, and you'll find a lot of the wonder and joy that Topher and I have been talking about. Thanks, Topher.
0: Thank you. Thanks so much, and thanks to the audience. Appreciate it.
1: Okay.